Well, today I'm going to start a new series. I think, I think it's just going to go this week and next week, but we'll, we'll see. It might go a couple more weeks. But I want to talk about what to do in a famine. And uh, that's really where we are right now in our nation and in the world. We're in a bit of a famine. Now, the most basic definition of a famine is a scarcity of resource. A scarcity of resource. And that's where we are right now. We are in a scarcity. We are in a, a season of scarcity. We're in a season of, depending on who you're listening to on the news, some people are saying recession. Others are predicting a depression. Others are saying this is going to be a really quick V recovery. We're going to get right back to it. I don't really know, uh, but I do know that right now, as of today, we're in a bit of a famine. And I'm encouraged today that the scripture is actually full of famines. It's full of these moments of scarcity of resource. And what's really awesome is that God always has wisdom, instruction, and remedies for famines. That God has always sustained his people through famine. So a famine could come because of a lack of rain. It could come because of war. It could come because of an attack or a disease. It could come because of uh, like in Bible days or even actually what's happening right now in Eastern Africa, a plague of locusts. It could come obviously because of a pandemic like we're in right now. But what we learn from scripture is that famines come and famines go. That they show up suddenly and then they break. And what we also see in scripture is that every time there was a famine in scripture, God supernaturally sustained his people, had a plan for his people. Uh, a famine is a season of scarcity. It's a season of increased pressure. It's a storm. It's the wind and the waves. It's when life feels out of control. And that's where it feels like right now. And as a church, we believe that God can and God does bless his people. I, I talk about it all the time. I'm unashamed of it. And actually, I, I believe in that message of God's abundance more today than ever before uh, because we need it right now more than ever before. But this does not mean that we believe that life is perfect or that we never face challenges or difficulty. It means that in seasons, especially like this one, God can bless and sustain his people. Give me a big amen out there wherever you're watching this from. I know you might be in your pajamas right now or in bed, or but come on, give me an amen because I really do believe it. Even in seasons like this, God can bless and sustain his people. As David said, though we walk through the valley of the shadow of death, he did not say we set up camp there and live there. No, he said, though we walk through it, we will fear no evil. We are in a valley of the shadow of death right now. This is a valley moment. This is a famine moment. But we will fear no evil. Why? Because his rod and his staff, they comfort us. Surely goodness and mercy follow us. And we will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Amen. And so it is amazing that when we read about famines in Scripture, when we read about them in the Bible, well, let me just even stop right there. They're in the Bible. You know, maybe people are thinking because they don't really know scripture. You know, if God was so good, why is this happening? Or, um, 
you know, if, if, if God really cared, he wouldn't allow this. No, I mean, the, the Bible is full of moments of scarcity, moments of, of storms, moments of valleys. And yet God shows himself faithful in every season. And that's what this is. You just got to know this. This is just the season. It's a season. Eventually there will come a vaccine or a treatment and um, this, this real fear that's gripping our nation, it'll leave and we'll go back to some semblance of normal. Maybe a new normal, but, but it, it will feel normal again. So this is a season and this is a moment to trust God. It's a moment to believe God. God is not caught by surprise. God is not shocked. The scripture is not silent. And I'm telling you right now, we can learn so much from the Bible about what to do, how to respond in a famine. God's word is full of wisdom on what to do. And I'm going to give you some of that wisdom today. And today I want to talk about my attitude, my choice. My attitude, my choice, because your attitude in this famine is going to be everything. I love how Joyce Meyer says that my attitude is going to determine my altitude. That my attitude in life is really going to determine everything about my life. So here's what Jesus says in Luke chapter 21. He says that in the last days, and we are in those last days, I don't know exactly where we are um, on the clock. I don't think it really matters. I don't think we should get obsessed with that. But we do know that from the point of the resurrection of Jesus, the apostle Peter tells us that we are in those last days. So that's what we do know. And Jesus says that in the last days, there would be famines. There would be moments of scarcity of resource. There would be moments like we're facing right now. He said there would be moments of wars and rumors of wars and plagues. And there would be moments just like we're in right now. Jesus was not surprised by it. Jesus is not surprised by this. He said there would be seasons like this that would grip the world. But here's what he says for the believer to do in response to famine. This is crazy. He doesn't say go hide in a bunker. He doesn't say go buy a third or fourth or hundredth gun. He does not say to just freak out and be glued to the news all day. Jesus says when, when there are moments of scarcity, like we're in right now, Luke 21, verse 28, he says this. He says, when these things begin to occur, stand tall lift up or look up lift up your heads in joy because your redemption is drawing near jesus says in moments like this he says lift up your heads in joy or uh, maybe a more traditional uh bible like the new king james or the king james would say lift up or look up it would say excuse me look up for your redemption draweth nigh. Jesus says in a moment of challenge, in a moment like we're in right now, Jesus says, lift up your head with joy. Now this is an amazing phrase in the Greek language because he literally said, be elated. Be elated. Pick up your head 
with excitement and elation and expectation. Um, how many know that tone is everything, right? For you parents, that if you call out to your child, the tone in which you call out their name, they already know what's about to happen. And so when I, when I call out for Goldie throughout the house and I've got a chipper voice and I'm excited and, 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 and you could just tell in my voice that I want to do something for her, tell her something good or give her something, man, she knows it. And I'll say, Goldie, real loud throughout the house. And man, you'll see her pop up her head. And she's pumped and she's excited. Jesus says, lift up your head, be elated, be excited. This word elated means to be ecstatically happy, joyful, and thrilled. Jabin, you're telling me that in April of 2020, COVID-19 in 158 nations of the world, people are dying, people are losing their jobs. Jabin, I've been personally affected by this disease. In this moment, you're telling me to be joyful? No, I'm not. God is. Because God knows, Jesus knows, that your attitude in this moment, your perspective in this moment, is going to determine what he is able to do in your life. Jesus is not saying to be excited about what is happening, but he is saying that our focus is everything. Can you think about that? He says, look up, not look around, not look down, not look inward, not look at the news. He said, look up. In other words, he's saying, keep your perspective, keep your focus on the right things. Keep looking to God, keep your joy in God. Don't just stare at your 401k all day. Don't just stare at the stock markets all day. Don't just keep looking at, has your home lost value? Uh, don't just keep washing your hands because you're panicked. Now, again, be wise. That's not what I'm saying. But what Jesus is saying in moments like this, it is so easy to just look around. And he says, you're going to have to choose not to be in denial but to continue to look up. And maybe that sounds insensitive, it's not. Maybe that sounds impossible, it's not. And let me just say this, what's the alternative? Living in fear, losing sleep, living in a panic, being obsessive compulsive, being glued to the news? I mean, what's, what's really the alternative? We're either going to look up with great expectation that God is awesome, that God is still on the throne, that God is unmoved by this, that even Hebrews 12, I, I, I keep saying, I keep going back every week, when everything else is being shaken, God's kingdom is not shaken. I either need to look up and trust God and thank God with joy, be elated, be full of joy, or I'm just going to live full of fear. So here's how the Apostle James, actually the brother of Jesus, here's how the Apostle James tells us to respond in moments like this. He writes to Jewish Christians 
who are under great adversity, great persecution. Um, these, are, these are Jewish people who have left their Jewish faith and are now following Jesus, declaring him to be the Messiah. And because of that, they are being tortured. They're being thrown in prison. They're being killed. Uh, they're losing family members. They're, uh, they're being rejected by their family, and they're now all alone. And he, he, he writes to this group of believers who he says have been scattered. They just, they've been scattered. Maybe that's how you feel right now. You just feel scattered. You just feel like, man, I've got, what, what do I do in this moment? Here's what James says to do. Dear brothers and sisters, this is James 1 verse 2. When troubles, troubles, maybe it's you've lost your job, troubles. It might be that you're watching this from a hospital bed. Troubles, it might be uh, that your um, stocks have just plummeted. Troubles, it might be that uh, you don't know if you're going to have a job after this. Troubles, it might be that you're really scared about getting this disease. Uh, troubles, I don't know what your troubles are. James leaves it open-ended because he's trying to make a point no matter what when troubles of any kind come your way okay what do i do do i pray it away do i rebuke the devil do i need more faith james says when troubles come your way consider it an opportunity for great joy for you know that when your faith is tested your endurance has a chance to grow. So let it grow. For when your endurance is fully developed, you will be perfect and complete, needing nothing. Wow. Very strong language, very bold language. Consider it pure joy. Um, let me break this down for a second because it's really going to help you. James says, when trouble comes, consider. Just stop and think. Because when trouble comes, what we want to do is we want to freak out. <laughs> that emotion starts rising. Our, our, our heartbeat starts rising. We, we start getting hot. We start getting sweaty. We start, we start going to fear, to survival mode. And, and frankly, a lot of times when trouble comes, we stop thinking. When trouble comes, wisdom goes out the door. That's why they call the book of James the New Testament book of Proverbs. Because James is trying to get the people of God when they're going through hell, he's trying to get them to think and to operate by wisdom and not by emotion trying to get them to operate by faith and not by fear. And I'm going to be preaching from the book of James a lot this summer because it's just, it's so relevant. It's always relevant, but it's so relevant to this moment because when, when everything's perfect, frankly, you read the book of James and it, it just kind of seems like a downer. But when we're in a season like this, it's a really important book in our life. But he says to think, thinking, considering, he says to count it all joy in the, another translation. Consider it pure joy. Think about it. It is so easy to make dumb decisions when we're afraid, when we're full of emotion. 
If you need proof of that, just realize that your house is probably full of toilet paper right now. <laughs> we, we start talking about this disease and we all run to the store and buy toilet paper. Why? I don't know. But confession, I did too. <laughs> I got toilet paper in my garage right now. I got more toilet paper than I've ever owned in my life. Why? I don't know. Because <laughs> fear makes you dumb. <laughs> I don't, I don't know why we all bought toilet paper. I don't know if we just saw other people do it. We thought we needed to do it too. I don't know why. But we all went out and bought toilet paper. Because whenever you get afraid, you do things that are not smart. <laughs> James says, when you're in trouble, think. When you're in trouble, consider. When you're in trouble, don't make emotion-based decisions. Make decisions based off of wisdom. Wow. This word consider means this. It means to lead. Wow. Just think about that. I'm not going to let trouble lead. I'm going to lead. I'm not going to let emotion lead. I'm going to lead. I'm not going to let fear lead. I'm going to lead. James says, when you're in trouble, lead. When you're in trouble, this word means to rule, to command, to have authority over. Wow. To oversee. To be chief and commander. To lead in speech. Wow. To be a spokesman. It's going to all make sense in a second, but catch what James is saying here in the Greek language. To consider, deem, account, and think. James says, when I'm in trouble, consider it joy. Let me say it like this. When I'm in trouble, I have to let joy lead. I have to let gratitude lead. I have to let praise lead. I have to live with an attitude of gratitude. Oh, Jamin, that's just a cheesy statement. No, it isn't, especially not right now. I need an attitude of gratitude. James says, when you're in the trial, whatever it is. Now he's going to go on to say that these tests and trials, they're not from God. Because every good and perfect gift comes from God. You can read that for yourself in the second part of James chapter 1. The, the point is, when I'm in a test, when I'm in a trial, when I'm in a temptation, when I'm in a tribulation, whatever it is, no matter if it's from wh whatever you believe, God, the devil, yourself, whatever, it doesn't matter. When I'm in moments like this, I must not live by emotion and fear. I have to stop and I have to think and I have to consider it pure joy. Here's what that means. It doesn't mean that I'm excited about what's happening. <laughs> it means that I'm going to lead and live from a place of joy and gratitude. And I'm going to live from a place of expectation, knowing that God is doing something in me through this moment. You got to get this in your spirit. In a moment of famine, I'm taking responsibility for my attitude. I'm taking responsibility for my words. I'm taking charge of the atmosphere of my home. I'm going through a lot. But as James would go on to say, I'm not going to let fresh water and salt water flow out of the same place. In other words, I'm going to be very careful about what I say and how I talk and 
how I think and how I act. See, friend, we are in a test right now, but I've got really good news for you. We are in an open book test. <laughs> Praise the Lord. We can cheat. <laughs> We've got an advantage that unbelievers don't have. While other people are running around going, what's happening, what's happening? We can go, oh no, here, here's what the Bible says. And God's actually doing something great in me while I'm in this moment. So this moment has the ability to grow my faith. This moment has the ability to grow my endurance. This moment has the ability to strengthen my walk with God. James ends verse four by saying that we can be perfect and needing nothing. Perfect and needing nothing. Now this word in the Greek language is a lot different than our idea of perfection in our English language, but this word in the Greek literally means to be complete, mature, content, at peace. It means to be full grown. It means to be an adult. Can I tell you that moments like this can actually grow us up if we'll allow it to happen? Here's what the Apostle Paul says to back this up in Philippians chapter 4, verse 11. I have learned to be content whatever the circumstance. I've learned. I've learned it. Now, this is a really awesome word in the Greek language because it means to learn by experience, not by an educational system. Paul goes, I've been through some things, but it's taught me some things. I've, I've learned by experience to be content. Can I tell you, it, depending on our attitude, I'm talking about what to do in a famine, depending on our attitude, we can learn in this season. We can grow in this season. We can get better in this season. This past week, I interviewed an amazing couple in our church, Tom and Cheryl White, who are about to celebrate 50 years of marriage. And they've got kids, grandkids, and now great grandkids. And they're just an awesome couple. They're elders in our church and leaders, and, and we love them dearly. And I started asking them about marriage and I started asking them for wisdom and I started asking them how to do it and how to, how to be married and how to stay in love and all, all of these kind of questions, right? And the reality is that if I want to learn about marriage, I'm not going to ask a, a couple who's been married for 50 days. I'm going to ask a, a couple who's been married for 50 years. <laughs> because at 50 days you have theories you have dreams, you have ideas, uh, but you, you don't have anything concrete. But 50 years in, there's a lot we can learn. And can I tell you that we can actually come out of this moment learning by experience. We're in a famine right now. We're in a storm right now. We're in an uncertain season right now. But though I'm in the storm, I refuse to let the storm get in me. You got to realize, sadly, that there will be millions of Christians through this season who will be offended, who will be angry, who will be bitter, who will be mad at God. And they're actually going to come out of this season worse. And Jesus said that would happen. He said that the book of Mark chapter four, that when the sower sows the word, the enemy comes with tribulation and 
different struggles to try to uproot the word and up, uh, till up the seed. But there will be many. And I, and I believe I'm speaking for City Light Church. I'm talking to you. I'm talking about you right now. There will be many who will come out of this season stronger, smarter, godlier, wiser, with more endurance, more faith, and more passion for God. Come on, can you say amen to that? I, I'm talking to somebody right now. I'm telling you, I believe it. I believe it's happening for you. I believe it's happening for me. I believe it's happening for City Light Church. But we gotta learn. Our attitude is everything. We've gotta choose to look up and not just look around. I can't control a lot in this season, but I can control my attitude. And I'm going to let joy lead me. So I'll end with this scripture. Philippians chapter four, verse eight. Finally, brothers and sisters, finally believers, whatever's true, whatever is honorable, whatever is worthy of respect, whatever is right and confirmed by God's word, whatever is pure and wholesome, whatever is lovely and brings peace, whatever is admirable and of a good report, if there is any excellence, there is anything worthy of praise, think continually on these things. Center your mind on them and implant them in your heart. Jabin, is that just positive thinking? No way. <laughs> no way. This is, this is God thinking. This is not, I think I can. This is, I know God will. But my attitude is going to determine. Where I put my eyes is going to determine how I come out of this season. Am I going to look up or am I going to look down? Am I going to count it all joy? Consider it pure joy? Am I going to choose to lead my thoughts, lead my attitude, lead my confession? Or am I going to let fear and this crazy uncertainty lead it? Am I going to let the storm on the inside or am I going to reject it? It's up to us. So real practically, I've, I've, I've gone too long, but, but real practically, let me just tell you a few things that I'm doing and a few things that you can do. Just keep praise and worship and uplifting music going on in your house. Set the atmosphere of your home with praise and worship. There's Hillsong, there's Bethel, there's, I mean, we could go on and on. There's just, there's so much great praise and worship. Maverick City Music, there's Israel Houghton, there's, I mean, there's just so much. Find some great praise and worship. Keep it playing in your home. And even if you're going to listen to music that isn't Christian, make sure it's uplifting. This is not a time to listen to sad country songs, okay? <laughs> this is not a time to listen to gangster rap, all right? This is, listen to music that's going to be uplifting and gonna, gonna cause you to dance and be happy and cause your kids to dance. Create a positive routine. Just get a routine going every day. Do a few things every day that are positive. Go on a walk outside. Keep your, keep your home neat and in order. Just do some things to just, I'm just trying to give you some practical things here to just 
to just stay up. Watch your words, watch your words. Watch your words. Just do not complain because all complaining does is magnify the problems in your life. And lastly, I'll just end with this, pray about it. Pray about it. Just pray about it. What's it? It is whatever you're thinking about, whatever you're worried about, whatever is keeping you up at night, pray about it. Are you afraid that your kids are gonna get sick with this disease? Pray about it and ask God to cover them and pray Psalm 91 over you and your home. Are you, are you afraid of uh, not having enough money, but also afraid to go back to work? Pray about it, talk to God about it. Are you, I, I, don't, I don't know what it is, whatever it is, pray, pray. Oh man, this is a time to pray and I hope you're praying. Not just thinking on the negative, but being open and honest and vulnerable with God. And if you're in a season where you go, Jabin, I can't even pray right now, then call the church and we will pray for you. Email the church and we will pray for you. Send the church a direct message and we will call you and we will pray for you. Don't do this alone. We got you covered. Now, there's people right now that you're watching. I don't know if a friend invited you. I don't, I don't know if you're at someone's home right now or if you're all alone right now watching this, but you don't know the Lord Jesus. This is your moment. God loves you. God has a plan for your life. God has a plan for you even in this season. But most importantly, God wants to forgive you of your sin. He wants to change your life. He wants to make you a new creation. And if you're there today and you say you don't, you don't know if you're right with God, you don't know where you would spend eternity. If you would say, Jabin, I've never made Jesus Christ the Lord of my life. Well, today's your day. This is the moment to do it. This is your moment to surrender your life to Christ and begin to live for God. And so right now, if you've never done that, the Bible says, here's what we are to do. We are to believe in Jesus. Believe that he died for us. Believe that he was buried. Believe that on the third day he rose from the grave. Believe that you cannot save yourself, but Jesus can. And then the Bible says, make him Lord of your life. Let him be in charge. Jesus is not a president that we can vote in or out. He is Lord. He is King. And we are to declare that over our lives and then to follow him with our life. Pray with me right now. Maybe you feel far from God. Maybe you've backslidden. Pray with me right now. God's going to hear your prayer. Let's pray together. I want everyone to pray a prayer, something like this out loud with me. Say, Jesus, I believe in you. I place my faith in you. I believe you died for me on the cross. I believe you rose again on the third day. I give you my life. I give you everything. And I declare Jesus is Lord of my life. Amen and amen. If you just prayed that prayer, uh, someone is going to come up after me and talk just a little bit more and give you some instruction, but it's the greatest decision you've ever made in your life. God heard your prayer. God saw your heart and God's going to begin to change your life for the better. I'm so excited. Well, church, I love you. I'm praying for you. And um, I, why don't you share this word? 
If this word was an encouragement to you, it's going to go live at some point. Uh, The sermon will go on our YouTube channel and our podcast. Why don't you share it with somebody? I believe this is a relevant word and I believe it's going to help you. And I believe it's going to help your friends and family as well. Even if they're not a believer, why don't you just pass it on to them and and, uh, encourage them with these words. I'm excited about this series and I'm grateful that God has given us wisdom for moments just like this. I love you. I'm praying for you. And um, I can't wait to see what God is going to do in our lives. In Jesus' name, we'll see you.